Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Welcome to our fourth Halloween spooktacular. As is tradition, joining me on this spooky occasion, Mark Wallace. Mark, how are you? I'm feeling better than I certainly did it's on Saturday, af- Saturday afternoon, but that's not a particularly good bar or standard of where I'm probably at, to be honest. And David Forrest is here. Are you any better? I mean, I'm all the better now that we get to record my favourite episode of the year. It's spooky, it's cookie, it's it's basically a therapy session uh, is what this has turned into every year of just really exposing all the fissile trauma that we have all bunged up. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it and I'm looking forward to bringing back the daft lightning noises and spooky witches. <laughs> so of course, if you've listened to any of our previous Halloween spooktaculars, we do do top 10 worst 10 countdowns of, of things that have, have gone wrong for Thistle. This year we're going to do the top 10 players who have haunted us. Now, I believe we have rated these players based on the sort of regularity of their performances against us, the, the scale of their performances against us, the occasion they've performed against us, and bonus points if they are particularly significant with their contributions for Partick Thistle and then haunting us at a later date. So players unlucky to to miss out on this this spooky top 10. Danny Devine, Joe Dodo, Jamie McDonald, friend of the show, Kenny Day and Eddie Anand, they are all unlucky to miss out on, on this top 10, but we'll go straight into it then. Robbie Muirhead is at number 10. Now, he is only so low because he does score against us quite regularly, but he's, he's only made it into 10th because we do regularly then Scud Morton after he does score. So it's it's funny slash haunting. Mark, how haunting has Robbie Muirhead been been for you? Uh, fairly. Like, I remember the first time he scored against us, it was actually for Kelly. We were beating them 1-0 at uh, for Hill and like we had beaten Kelly at For Hill since like 2002. Kelly got a penalty in the last minute. I think it was that William Gross guy like went through and he got clean. He got cleaned out. He took the pe- they took the penalty and missed. I think it was Cherney saved it. And then Muirhead like fires in the rebound when he was like seven, 17, 18. I think that might actually be the closest in from goal he scored against us, which is quite something considering what his repertoire is now. It's like. Only bangers, basically. You're right, he does only score bangers against us now. David, how amusing do you find his his regular playing up to the Thistle fans, just despite initially not really getting much stick and then obviously getting getting pumped quite regularly after he does that? I think that's what makes it funny. I think you hit the nail on the head, and yes, haunting, but it's like a funny haunting. Like I don't know if you've ever seen Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, but it's like a daft comedy, horror show, whatever. And it's, it's haunting, but it's very funny haunting. 
Um, I feel that that's sort of where Robbie Muirhead really occupies on the spook scale. But I agree, it is, it's really funny because we had no truck with him when he was with us. It just kind of didn't work out, but nobody had any ill will to him um, at all. No one bothered with him at all, but he made it his life mission to wind us up as much as humanly possible. And you have to respect it. And it's the fact that any time he plays us, he turns into like Prime Cruyff or like it just he just turns into the best striker in the world. And it's really funny because he turns into the best striker in the world for about 20 minutes. And then the next 70 minutes are inevitably when we like sling five past them. Um, and it's really, really funny. And it's always, you know, 1-0 Morton. I remember there was the one at Fur Hill where all the Morton fans in hospitality who started going mental and winding everybody up and the security had to sit them back down. And then, of course, the goals rained in for us and all the people, all these mild-mannered people in suits and ties who run it, you know, up the back of the jackie, not not lively or animated. We're obviously getting up all these stupid Morton fans who went way too early with their braggadocio. So, um, I feel that that was an incident that really personified Robbie Muirhead and that he is a bit of a dick to us, but it's in a comic way where I just have to respect it. And I hope he keeps doing it, to be honest, because it, it's kind of it's kind of endearing. It's, a, it's an affectionate thing. Of is very pantomime, I think, of what it is. We're a couple of weeks early for pantomime, but Robbie Muirhead is very pantomime. I agree, David. Robbie Muirhead and Morton fans getting up Thistle fans and hospitality, both going too early before getting absolutely scudded is, is my f- sort of favourite annual thing that seems to happen now. So I hope it, it continues to happen for, for many a year. I'd, I'd like to take this opportunity as well just to dedicate this podcast to Justin Bieber. It's number nine. <laughs> Number nine on our list, Mark Ridgers, David, the the man who, I I hadn't heard this chant before, I might might be wrong, but coined the chant, Ridgers, Ridgers, give us a save. Not a a great Partick Thistle career, but has has come back to haunt us a a couple of times and goes for Inverness since. He's came back to haunt me several times in the quiz, because every time I say it's Torsten Stuckman and the answer is always fucking Matt Ridgers. But um so it personally haunts me every day, every quiz that we do. But yeah, I, I don't know what it is with Matt Ridgers. It's like like I mean he wasn't Bryn Hallowell, right? And he, he wasn't like Cammy Bell levels. He was all right, but he wasn't anything to really write home about. Um and the pantheon of absolute turgid keepers that we have had he's not like even in the podium I don't think but hang on hang on hang on hang on he played a game and a half and he shipped eight eight or nine eight or nine in a game and a half David eight. it must have like the worst goals to minutes ratio like, who was it against on, come on Celtic and Aberdeen but come on Aye, like... right that right, that Aberdeen with David Amu was at right back. What Mark Ridgers could have been fucking Lev Yashin would have still lost six 0 Like that's not on Ridgers, right? But yeah, it's uh, it's not great. But anytime he plays Inverness, he'll always inexplicably pull out some cat-like reflex save that you just don't understand how he saved it. And then, but but of course he does because it's against us, and we need we need to have a chat at some point of. Why is it that ex Whistle players are are so good against us when they weren't for us? What is it? What is in the water in the away dressing room 
that's causing them to really raise their game. But yeah, he's he's really good for Inverness, and it's infuriating because you know, like he was not good for us. I remember the the first season we we were in the championship with Mark Ridgers. I think he saved. I think he saved two penalties in his first two games against us. The one up at Inverness when we were 3-0 down after half an hour and folk were checking train times back from Inverness at half past three. I think he saved a penalty from Miles Story up there. And then he saved one down at Farhill a few months later from Blair Spittle. And you're like, oh, of course he has. He's not always played well. Like we have had some good days against Inverness while he's been in goals scoring three or four goals. But I think the, the playoff two seasons ago where Inverness beat us in the playoffs... I think he was very good in both legs, and yeah, he, he's he's a decent championship goalkeeper, and he does always seem to up it to to being a, a good goalkeeper when it when he plays against us. So, Mark, do you agree? Mark Ridgers justified at, at number nine on this list. Yeah, I would say so. Like, I've got I've got it here. Uh, two games, eight goals. He played forty five minutes. In the Celtic game that we got horse five mil and I won like a hundred pound because I had Celtic minus three. So I was like, because that was like up until the point where because I think we get beat off at Johnston after we collapsed against Rangers. It was full blown on the beach then because like like Abdul Osman had literally like ran his quad off his bone basically and everybody was fucked. And then we get horsed off Celtic. We're 3-0 down after like half an hour and I just patched it. Like I think I put a fiver on or a tenner on. Let's say I'll take minus three, like before the game when it was half cut, and then like I was like, and then I put another five pound bet on that we win five now. Like I managed to get decent odds, so like the two of them came in, and like, I'm like, ah, quietly going, it's like I won, but at what cost? So yeah, fuck Mark Ridgers. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight. A, Sorry, only go, David. I was going to say this is going to be a recurring theme of us. I mean, we are all pretty much mystic fortune tellers uh, going by this because I think pretty much everyone in this list has won his like stupid money and I couldn't because they're like, I he is definitely scoring against us. Um, so, I mean, if anything, this is the most profitable episode that we'll ever have because I think we've won stupid money off of all of them. Number Number eight, Tommy Robson. Mark, I'll ask you quickly, what did you make of Tommy Robson and a, and a thistle shirt? Do you know what? I actually, I say I quite liked him, but like, it was, you can kind of see, it was one of those signings like after 1819, like Caldwell was like trying to be like, right, you know what? We've been all defensive and we've had to be defensively solid to get out of uh, the battle of our relegation. So you go and you get guys like Tommy Robson because you want to get on the front foot and attack to him, like, right, that was an anomaly, we're going to push for promotion. I quite like Robson. He scored, he scored in his, one of his first games as well against QP at uh, Airdrie. But yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't mind him, I think, and a better, if he had better players around him, I think he would have been a bigger hit, I think. Hindsight being what it is, I would have kept Robson over signing Stephen Hendry, for example, because Stephen Hendry was wooden and couldn't fucking move. Whereas like Robson actually had a bit of the dynamism that you see that we love in Harry Milne just now. He's got he's got pace, he's got technique, and he can like 
it can cause problems and create openings from fullback like Harry Milne does. But like Stephen Hendry just did not do that. He was like he barely got over the halfway line. He had no pace. But it was good. It was good defensively. So it's like that sort of trade off of like you got a fullback that's good at attacking, but not necessarily great defensively. Whereas Hendry was better defensively than he was going forward. I didn't hate the guy, but like as we're going to come on to, oh boy, this was quite a laugh. Quite a laugh it was. I think you make an interesting point about should he should he have hung about. I wasn't sad at all when he left. I don't think he was he was great for us. He was he was useful. I think when we played wing backs, I thought left wing back was where he was most effective rather than left back or left of a midfield four. I wasn't too sad when he left though. I think he probably needed to leave just to get sort of regular football at Queen's Park, perhaps at a lower level as well, just to boost his confidence. But there's obviously a player in there because as I'm going to speak to you about David, we've seen at Championship level he can cause some damage. He absolutely can. Um, who knew? Who could have predicted this? Us, every Thistle fan there. But um, it was Oakleview the first time, wasn't it? And then he scored again at Farhill. It's good to see that they see the humour of it, where they go, it'd be real. You know, it's that meme of Tommy Robson has the ability to do the funniest thing ever, sort of thing, or just, yeah. I don't know what it, I mean, we were absolutely horsed by QP in three games in a row, and they they had completely found out found us out and I think for a player like Robson, when you when you've got a team who's been found out and you're absolutely in your element, that that is basically a playground at that point. You've got you've got the the keys to the town and you can do what you like and yeah, I, it's it, it's it's grimly inevitable, but it's so inevitable it doesn't stop it ever happening. You know, you think it's it's too on the nose, it's too almost too parodic. No, that wouldn't stop it happening. It will definitely happen. And yeah, just over and over again. He'll also come up later on because one of our later entrants, Tommy Robson, was part of it and gave me one of my favourite bleak thistle moments. Uh, um, But we'll come to that later on. But yeah, Tommy Robson, I I, I just wish he was as good for us as he was for Queen's Park, to be honest. He did. He scored, as you said, he was scoring consecutive games against his last season. He, he did only score twice. He only scored one in the three-two game. Probably felt like a lot more. Mark, your memories of of Tommy Robson rampaging down the left wing against us last season? Do you know? I seen it. Talk, like, see the thing, right? When they made that that run in, I was like, he's going to fucking score. I was like, oh shit, he's going to fucking. Do you know? Do you know that way? Mind that video? The Air United fan at Aloha. Aye. <laughs> the, the one where the guy's like, what the fucking hell is this? That's a left back. That's a fucking left back. That's exactly what it was. I was like, oh my God. There's some finish, I know, to be fair. It was genuinely like, really, I was like, oh, for fun. See that, see that game as well, like that 4-0 game for Hill was one of the most mental I've been to. It was like 4-0, but like it genuinely could have finished like 7-5. Aye. To either side, it was utterly like preposterous. Like I don't think I've seen Thistle play so well and end up get horsed like ever. And if I live to be a hunter, which I hope I don't, yeah, I don't think I'll see a game like that anytime soon ever again. 
We've, we've spoken about that game a few times, actually. We've spoken about it in depth with friend of the show, Duncan Rayburn, on our Queen's Park special, which is in the vaults, if you want to go back and listen to that. I, we were the better team until it went to 2-0, and then Queen's Park just ran away with it. But, but Tommy Robson, he, he haunted us so much that Rhys Haldane of this parish threatened to, to never appear on a Draw, Lose, or Draw podcast again if Tommy Robson scored three, a third for a third game in a row. And I think he actually nearly did. I think he was denied by a... I saved by the goalkeeper on the 2-0 win at Oakview in January and that, that would have finished off Rhys Haldane's draw as a draw career but unfortunately well not unfortunately fortunately <laughs> you need to cut that David that was a, a, an unfortunate slip I mean it depends on who's listening let's be <laughs> <Yeah>. honest <laughs> fortunately, fortunately um, we still have Rhys Haldane and Tommy Robson has, has not done any further damage yet uh, at time of recording this is before the Queen's Park game he's probably scored a hat-trick on Friday Number seven. Um, number seven, Gary Harkins, Mark. I will start with you on this one. You wanted Gary Harkins on this list. Why is he number seven on the, the list of players who have come back to haunt us? Oh, dearie me, what a guy. Oh, Jeepsy, 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 what a guy. Um, mainly, like, he's... He's always turned out against us when because when he made that move to Dundee when they were backed by that weird like Scottish American guy who was like second is nowhere. You've got to be D gene positive, which is mildly uh, worrying. We we got 150 grand for him after the season we ran St Johnston relatively close for the first division title under Ian McCall. And the first game, and we started that season no bad. We were actually top of the league when we came to play Dundee for the first time that season in October 2009. So like, it was like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna fucking show Gary Harkins what for. We go one 0 down after four minutes, and it's just like, okay, this is this is fucked. Tony Bullock, then another guy who probably could have made this list purely for this game alone. Pulls out a worldie, and then in the 48th minute, Gary Harkins breaks through, celebrates in front of the Thistle fans, wheels away towards the Derry at Dens Park. And I just remember like screaming abuse at him. But then out of like the cross my like peripheral vision, as Harkins was celebrating, the guy launched a pie, but like it was still in the tray, and it just went boom, right by my like I just like Literally went like a fucking boomerang like that, swerving round as if it was trying to get him. It's one of the, one of the most hysterically funny things I've ever seen at a football match. And then there was also the 4-2 game in the snow at Hill, the Premiership, when like, him and Greg Stewart absolutely ripped his ear holy arsehole. So, like, yeah, he's comfortably ensconced in here, in my opinion. I, I would argue that Gary Harkins did most of his haunting in his second spell at Hill. Yeah, that's you stole my joke, Matt. Yeah, Fuck's so, sake. <laughs> so, well, in that case, we'll move on to, to number six, David, because I think this is another one where you have made quite a bit of money. Number six, six, six. It is Chris Dillon for air. August the 31st, 2019, I believe it was. 
The reason I know this is I had quit my job that morning to go to London. I went to see West Ham, actually, and I went to a Japanese wrestling show in London. So I went with my friends, got quite drunk. Um, I'd had an absolute nightmare of a day trying to get down there. Actually, funny, I had a nightmare where I had a problem at the airport and essentially had to buy another flight on, like, first-class BA from Glasgow to London at a considerable expense. And after raiding the kit, the fridge of cans and all that, I, I was down a lot of money. But I was like, oh, Doolan's playing for air today. And I think Doolan on our pod, Doolan said on our pod that McCall played him because he knew he would score. He knew that he just played Doolan, he'll score and it'll be fine. And sure enough, he did. It was absolutely destined. I put Dylan to score and Air to win, because I believe Air won. And um, yeah, I won like 250 quid. So I made my flight back um, that I had to pay to get down to London. Yeah, it was so weird. I think it's the only time the home fans have cheered an away goal. I think outside of like testimonials or something like that, I think this is the, the, it's certainly the only time I remember hearing uh, like the 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 Lambie or the Jack Husband and cheer a goal that was scored against Thistle, which shows you exactly how revered Chris Dolan is. And he scored zero goals for the air after that. He did, I don't think he scored a goal. He didn't score a goal for Morton. He done absolutely nothing else in his career with air apart from they just signed him to play him in this game and he scored. He done. It was the. The Leonard Nimoy, well, my work here is done, but you've not done anything, didn't I? And then just disappears into the mist. It's it, it's it's a great goal. And you know what? It's still in scored in it for Hill. You can't really be that upset by it. I think the reason this is so high is just because it is, it is Chris Doolan. And the, the thought now of, of Chris Doolan sort of managing against Partick Thistle, which would be the equivalent, is... It's quite a sad one, so for him to play against Thistle and, and to score. Uh, Mark, what are your recollections of, of that game, Partick Thistle 2, Air United 3? <laughs> I didn't go in the game, I stayed in the way they didn't get pushed. Me and Donald, uh, Donald Lammer, friend of the parish, friend of the podcast, uh, we were like, we got to like, we just we were, we were just sitting watching the early game in the, 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 the Premier League or something. And we we always like cut it. We always like leave at like five two or like like quarter two, ten two, three and head up. And it got to quarter two, ten to three. And I just went. Me and Doug, we, like we were we were on vodkas because we when we'd had like four pints each. So like let's just get a shot, and we'll just sit and mind we're in. We got a couple of vodkas in, and I was like, you know what? I can't be asked on to this. And Doro was the same. And then a woman came in with a couple of dugs and we were playing with the dugs. We were absolutely half-canned. We were, we actually were 2-1 up in this game. Did we not lead twice? Like, either we were we were 2-1 up, I think we were 1-0 up and 2-1 up. Then Che Gordon and Stuart Bannigan both get sent off. Air equalised and then Dylan scored the winner. And like I remember like Dylan... Scored like I was like, oh, it's fucking Dylan scored, and like I just like remember just like nearly crying. I was just like, of course, but of course, the dogs were lovely. <laughs> they were two, two, two lovely wee dogs. It was they, they, that was great. That was fantastic. And Donald get flung out the woody later on for falling asleep. Fair enough. 
I went. I remember this day because I went to a 40th birthday party at night. I'll give both of you one guess of whose 40th birthday party it was, and I'll give either of you. I'll give you how many goals did Chris Jones go for this? 121, maybe 122. I'll give either of you that amount of pounds if if you can guess whose birthday party that was at. Was it Ken Boswell's? No. No. You'll be you'll be delighted that you thought he was only 40. <laughs> <laughs> it was do you know the episode of still game where they, they created the, the beefy bake it was the woman who played the receptionist who, who loves beefy bakes it was <laughs> I, I didn't think you'd get it it was on 40th and I, I had a thoroughly miserable day I'd never met her before not met her since uh, why did you go <laughs> she she works in the office that Kirsty my wife used to work at and I, I was invited as a plus one and our, our da- the only memorable thing about that evening was our dad faking a heart attack to get out with dancing with, I believe, uh, her mother-in-law and her dad faked a heart attack. How? Uh, how? 178 <laughs> odd episodes I had a fucking heart attack thinking back to this game now. How is it taking this long for you to bring up the, you met the, the beefy bait classy winner 40th and her half faked a heart attack on this day what incredible uh, that, that should have been a story for Patreon we'll need to set up one of them for just exclusive uh... oh, coming on this podcast it's a real laugh <laughs> Right, number five. Um, this is maybe a bit too, bit too recent to joke about. Number five is Kevin Holt. Mark, did you have a Who, good day on someone... Saturday? <laughs> you know what, right? I would actually, ra- like, you say it's too recent to joke about. I would argue it'll only get funnier. Like, it was funny at, th- it was funny at 3-0 when I left, so I missed them actually scoring the fucking thing. But I would honestly say, and I said... About literally 11, I, I, I've got the timestamp on my tweet, at 11 minutes past three on Saturday I tweeted, my God, the inevitable Kevin Holt slash and or Ross Stockerty goal today is going to be very, very funny. And well, narrator, it was very funny. I don't right. think, like, that was one of the most atrocious games of football I've ever been to. One of the funniest games of football I've ever been to. And it's at the same time, one of the most patatastic get it uppies I've ever seen. Like when you see an ex player come back, his first game back, and he gets absolute dogs abuse. Dockerty got the same, but like it was all entirely like this is just part and parcel of what it is. But it was very, very funny. And then, um, like when obviously Holt get the, scored that goal to make it 2 0. And there was like a guy going off. Or there was a guy behind me who didn't know it was Holt that scored. And then he saw Holt running over to the United fans in the, the Colin Weir stand, the main stand. And he just went, oh, was that Holt? Oh, for fuck's sake. And I was like, I, need, I just burst out laughing. Then two minutes later, they get the third. And I was halfway to the Woody before I heard that we conceded four. Had Muro, Aaron Muirhead sent off and then conceded the fifth. Some laugh. I would argue it's only going to get funnier, to be honest. First of all, I would say, Mark, congratulations on your use of patertastic. That's that's great work. Uh, I like that word. I would also argue, see if Kevin Holt just scored one and Dundee United won 3-0, or even if he scored two and it was 4-0, it wouldn't be that funny. 
scoring a hat trick from centre back, especially scoring a penalty like after missing the penalty in the playoffs. Could you have written that? Probably not. So you have to say to him. Fair I think play. you would see. I think see. One of the brilliant things I do. I, I've listened to a lot of different podcasts, right? And Tim Vickery from the Brazilian Shirt Name Podcast, World Football Phone In on BBC. He talks at length about like wife's football movies don't work because the shit that happens in football games that Hollywood scriptwriters be going, no, that's not realistic, but that's exactly what happens. And that is exactly one that is exactly one of those situations. Like he's never going to score a hat trick against them, score a penalty if they're missing a penalty, get them promoted. It's like, oh yes, he fucking is. <laughs> when I played school when I played school football, we had a guy who played for, it was a, another East Coast Bride school, but he played pro youth, and we had a couple of pro youth players, like we had players who played at a decent level as well, but this guy, well, I'll tell you who it is, it's Cammy Ballantyne, who plays for Ergy now, and he played for Duncan Rigg, and he played a game against us, and he played at centre-back, and he scored a hat-trick, but he, like every single goal, it was like him skinning the team from, from centre-back, and then like pinging one in the top corner, and like you obviously think, oh, that only happens when when games are, are very mismatched. Or to be fair, that wasn't really a mismatched game. He was just the standout player. But uh, that, the fact that Kevin Holt probably like, isn't the standout player in a, in a Thistle versus Dundee United game, but still gets a hat trick from centre back, is very, as you say, Mark Patertastic. I will say also featured it was an absolute vintage primo classic Wallace storm out at 3 0. You were on fine form, wasn't it? You you practically marched out, chest puffed, fuck this, I'm away, this is shite, this isn't getting any better, and you like practically marched out and it was it was a return to form, Mark. I'm not gonna lie, it was it was a sight to see, uh, a sight to behold. It's again another game where I bet on Dundee United to win, and then when I went to three 0 I'll go, I'll put on a fourth goal. Then they scored, and then like literally the penalty, I saw the penalty. Go, he's going to go down. Immediately put on four, uh, scored a fourth goal, came back in fifth goal, and then put on again and made um, a fair chunk of money out there. We deserve it. We absolutely deserve it. I'm not going to lie. Our entire existence uh, basically, you know, makes these things happen. We just cannot escape it. We shouldn't try to escape it. We should embrace it, to be honest. It's it's just really funny. And I think our, um, our overriding philosophy, me and you, Matt, both share the same philosophy on this. Players, managers, whatever... If you can't sign someone good, sign someone funny. And that's the same here. If you can't have a good game, have a funny game. And I think we par excellence on Saturday. Um, <laughs> uh, one for the ages. Yeah, we will be talking about this that game on Saturday um, for several years, I think, for as long as this podcast runs for. That game will, will get mentioned. Number four on the list, Graham Dorans. David, I will start with you on Graham Dorans. Graham Dorans, I mean, like, he was he was before my time going to Thistle, but by all accounts, he was a, a very good loanee with us and went on to forge himself a, a good career, um, you know, at various clubs. Dorans played for Livy. He scored against us in the Scottish Cup replay for Hill. 
for Livy in the game we won on penalties last season. He had his breakout and he went to England after that. He went to West Brom for like 250 grand. But yeah, like he scored against us in that game. I actually want to point out, by the way, Graham Dorans has got the highest win percentage against Thistle than any other club in his career. That is a superb stat. Only two, there are only two clubs he's lost against. Uh, more in his career and they are Arsenal and Everton. I think the game that comes to mind is the, the 2-2 game at Thurhill in the relegation season from the Premiership. Like, we were 1-0, we went 1-0 down, Morelos scored, we come back to go 2-1 up and you're thinking, oh fuck, we're actually, we're actually looking good for a win here. Then Chris Erskine decides to put Morelos into the Mary Hill fucking sky, gets sent after a straight red card. And then we're holding on and holding on and holding on, and then Graham Dorans bangs one in for 25 yards. We draw 2-2. It was like, oh, great. It's just, it's more for that particular game and like that that 2-2 draw with Rangers. Like, he's, he's career. He's a, dec- he's a decent career considering the injury bothers he's had since coming back to Scotland because like, he is a regular for the Scotland squad and playing in the Premier League for a good wee while for West Brom, for Norwich and that. So like he's career's been quite good, but like yeah, that's that two two game, like it's just the most haunting one because we were in control. Then Erskine like if you remember Alan Archibald in the post match was like Chris Erskine, can he tackle? I've no idea why he's done that. I think that that two two draw against Rangers, that was probably the, the closest we've been to to beating Rangers, I think it was maybe one of our best performances against them when we were in the Premiership. But as David says, that was probably also the funniest way we dropped points against Rangers. And yeah, it was a, it was a good strike by Dorans and, and to equalise. But I think it was at sculling goals, maybe I think should have done better, albeit a, a good strike. And yes, Aloni, who we it would have been great to have, have more appearance or more time at the club than, than a short loan. David, do you want to come back in? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, that was 2017, so that was really the, 2017 was the year for us to beat them, like, uh, beat the, one of the old firm, because we had the the game at New Year's, that was when we near beat on, get sent off, and Lee Griffiths called them, like, the, the absolute death, um, we had the Invincibles, where we got the draw, and Aziz should have scored, we had the League Cup game where we floundered an extra time, Rangers at that time were basically... Um, a banter Pez Master League side um, at that point full of some absolute honking shite that we really, really... Sh- we'll never get a better chance. We'll never have a worse Rangers team to play than that season. And we were all over them. And again, Neil Erskine sent Morelos to the Shadow Realm. What, what are you meant to do in that case? When you just, you, it, it's, so, it's just so inevitable that we were going... But I think... Our entire like sort of fissile fandom is predicated on that wee voice in the back of our head that goes that we're going to fuck this up, and sure enough we do. Um, but yeah, that was a year we should have beaten them, or either of the old firm. That this felt like the the, the ultimate chance to do it, where we were in the ascendancy. And like we mentioned, Joe Dodo earlier on with the you know and the honourable mentions, it really is. It's like it's like a double header um, of you know just running back the hits um, with that. It's it's some laugh, but um, I, I remember that was the game I went with my friend from Norway. He spent the whole game barking orders at people in Norwegian, like, you know, run the lines and all that. And um, he, um, 
it was it was quite wild, and he'd never been to a Thistle game before, and he absolutely loved it. And uh, he 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 fully bought in when we were, we were like two one up. He said, "This is it. We're doing it." I remember him going, "We're doing it," and I'm like, "Yep, we are." And then, sure enough, they tackle Hart, and you're like, "All right, aye, cool." But then I had to explain to him, "This this is just how it is. This is this is what happens." So, and then they burnt our flags afterwards. Just again, another patriotic game, but um, yeah, um, not great. Three. <laughs> At number three, then Lauren Shankland, maybe a player that's that's haunted us for the most clubs on the list. He's he's haunted us for well, he's, I think he scored in the, the Queen's Park four part of this or five, didn't he? He scored several goals for for Air against us, several for Dundee United. And he's also managed to haunt us in a in a Hearts jersey as well. I think this he's he's also so high because we were, I think we were linked with him just after we get relegated. And I remember there was lots of talk, and I know this lots of this would have been nonsense. And McCall, uh, sort of just Gallus McCall saying, "Oh, so we'll give you Shankland if you give us Dolan and Erskine straight after we get relegated." But that that was all the sort of chat when Shankland was just at the, the start of his hot streak. Uh, there Mark, was an offer, I believe. Yeah, Mark, what are your memories of... We made a bit of a hundred and fifty grand for him, I believe. What are your memories of, of Shankland haunting us, Mark? Oh, fucking hell. I actually hate him. Like, 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 <laughs> like, like, see, I can't like, like, just want to point out, by the way, Lauren Shankland has played 13 games against Thistle. He's been on the winning side nine times, drawn twice, lost twice. In those 13 games, he scored 11 goals and had one assist. Like, that's, that's not so good. Genuinely, like, you know that meme of the guy, like, it's like, turned up at my hater's funeral to make sure he was dead? <laughs> like, all I'm saying is, I absolutely, and I'm, like, a fucking menace of a guy. Like, he's a great, like, I don't get the, like, I can understand the whole, like, oh, he's, he's a flat track bully or whatever, but, like, he's a genuinely, hysterically, Good footballer, especially against. Like, he's only he's only scored more goals against one team in his career, and that's Morton. He scored thirteen goals against Morton in thirteen games. Oh well, forgive him for that then. Fair, but he's off the hook. David, what do you hate more about Lauren Shankland? The fact that he has managed twelve goal involvements in thirteen games against us, or the fact he's a raging anti-vaxxer? Oh, I mean, ambassador, you're really spoiling us with these choices. Um, I mean. A colossally stupid man, like from top to tail, and an absolute fucking numpty of a player. Amazing footballer. Um, I it, he gave me one of my favourite um, moments. It was just before the COVID shutdown. I believe it was the last away game of the season um, at Dundee United at Tannadice. It was the one that we lost. And I seem to, yeah, it was, because I seem to remember, I was with you and a friend of the show, Duncan Rayburn, and Tommy Robson was on the uh, was on the wings, uh, blocking it. And there was a, a solid 15 seconds of block the pass, 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 block the pass. He didn't block the pass as it fired over to Shanklin and they hit it in. And, and incre- just an incredibly amusing uh, way to concede. Lauren Shankland, I, I will say he was very good for me in FIFA 21 uh, with Shelburne 
Um, uh, but I then I sold him for um, uh, a regen. So you know, you know, fuck him, get him out, get him out, Sharon, get him out. Um, but uh, yeah, I I never want to see his stupid face again. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry to correct you, David, but I'm going to have to correct you because my catchphrase for that two to three year period, I think, was block the cross because we we did go through a hell of a lot of fullbacks who are immune to immune. There's a pardon the pun, uh, blocking crosses, <laughs> and uh, Lauren Shanklin did get on the end of quite a few. I think if I ever, I'm never going to do this because I'm not twelve, but if I ever set up a Partick Thistle moments that precede unfortunate events Twitter account, it would be Cammy Bell shouting, look out for Shankland, about three seconds before Shankland hits a 40-yard volley over his head. Um, (laughs) Very funny. We'll have to clip that up and and stick that somewhere. Uh, A good laugh. We have reached number two, the runner-up, and it is it is Owen Coyle. And really, he's only he's he's only made it. Well, he's not he's not only made it. He has haunted us. He's only he's he's made it so high up just so I can bam him up for for getting beaten the playoffs last season. Um, David Owen Coyle. I mean, interestingly, he was a big pick for people because he was so profligate with with Airdrie against us when it was literally every time we played against Airdrie and his pomp. Prolific is the word you're looking for because he scored against us all the fucking time. He did indeed score against us all the fucking time um, as an Airdrie player. Uh, Just a, a chronically annoying man. And then you take in Matt's personal biases into it. And um, and the fact that he was with Queen's Park, Diddy, Victorian stovepipe hat, gentleman, Queen's Park, turning them into a decent side that are battling the first with the third team in Glasgow. There's very Malky Mackay aside, and I think there's very few people I love absolutely getting up more so than Dick Campbell and Dougie Emery, which is a, maybe a surprise, but I, I absolutely love it when we just ruin own coils day i always remember actually we played when he was the county manager we played them at new years and oh. i remember um he um, i took my friend daniel of um, of my other podcast he came up uh, from uh, newcastle for it and we went to the game and in the end he said to me he said oh i really enjoyed the game he said but david i need to ask you why Why was everyone abusing Owen Coyle? And I went, oh, he, he's the Ross County manager. And I went, all right, okay. I thought people just hated Owen Coyle and were just abusing songs even though he wasn't there. I didn't realise he was actually at the game. And to be honest, I, w- I wouldn't say that that is unlikely to happen. I, I'm, you know, we definitely have the propensity for, you know, just abusing Owen Coyle even when he can't hear it. Um, so, yeah. I hope I hope he never darkens our door again. Like like let's be clear. Mark, your thoughts on Coyle? And like keep them sort of okay enough for David to keep in the the episode, please. I had a, I had a line there, but I can't fucking use it. That good. Um, but yeah, like he's just just a thoroughly like just unpleasant looking man. I don't really know what he's say. Like he's he just just ah. Uh, 
just, just a. Like it looks like. Like he look like ah, that's he looks like <laughs> like he took that Ross County job and made them horrific. He had his hoy money at QP and had his wee run over McCall because he always had a good record over McCall, even when he was like St Johnston manager. He had a good record over McCall, like and then obviously at Airdrie when he was a player, he always scored against us and like like right at that. 65 million year ago era where Airdrie would have got hit by the asteroid sponsored by KPMG. Uh, he was at it right up until the very end, which is if anything else, it's got to be commended that, that you hate us that much that you're playing and scoring against us right up until the club get put in the fucking grave. Fair enough. I, I just wanted to ask, do you think the guy who commented about how shocking that uh, Mark called Alan Ruff... Is going to say the same about Owen Coyle, or is he going ah. to go, aye, fair play? Um, like that one, I'll let you have for that one. Stu the Jag tweeted in Owen Coyle's goal record against this one in a similar vein to Shankland. He played 30 league games against Partick this one, scored 22 goals. He was only on the losing side four times. And then, as you say, Mark, in his managerial career, St Johnson, he's, he's won the league ahead of Thistle. He's a couple of 4-0s against us more recently, the Ross County game that we, we, we all attended in the snow up at Dingwall. But we, di- we didn't have much joy against him anyway. The 4-0 up at Dingwall, well, we all had a miserable time with the 4-0 at Furhill. I-, I would just like to-, to say a few things, though. Um, in terms of <laughs> in, t- in terms of all-time Premier League goalkeepers, I think we've got to be looking at Peter Schmeichel, Peter Cech, uh, David Seaman, Edwin van der Sar, probably more recently, Alison and Ederson. They're, they're, they're your elites. And then, honestly... Right, and I, I will argue with anyone talking about this. Next on the list in the top ten, you see Askelainen. What a fucking incredible goalkeeper over a long period of time, and that dopey prick benched him. And I'm not saying if Bolton died and was it 2018, the Sky Sports News and Jim White did the big countdown clock on Bolton. If if Bolton ended up going out of business, I'm not I'm not saying Owen Coyle would have been to blame, but he would have certainly had a lot of blood on his hands. That relegation playing Adam Bogdan was a disgrace. Also treated Kevin Davies, another club legend, like absolute shit. Just not a nice man. Ruined Bolton. He's he's a t- in in terms of Northwest football, Lancashire football, he's a terrorist. He's destroyed Bolton, he's destroyed Wigan, he's destroyed Blackburn, and the only club he's had a modicum of success at Burnley, all of their fans hate him. He's a Northwestern football terrorist, and I will say no more. He looks like a haunted tree. But you know, like he does, he's got that fucking gaunt face. <laughs> like it, it, it looks, it looks like, like, like it looks like if somebody but mind that animatronic tree in Mothercare, <laughs> the, the mad terrifying one with a lipstick on it, but like so a male bad, version yes, of that, like, he, like he's an utterly terrifying looking man. Like you would walk, you would cross the road to get away from him, type of guy. Like he looks like a haunted tree. Like, like what? Like, it looks like one of these badly preserved mummies. Mark, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Number one. Number one. 
this probably won't come as a surprise to anybody. Simon Murray, another Shanklin type where he's done it for, for several clubs. And another one we've, we've sort of been rumoured with, I think, in our Premiership days, maybe we'll sign him, maybe we won't. And he's obviously haunted us on the big stage as well in, in, in the playoffs. Mark, I'll kick off with you. Uh, can you politely give Simon Murray a bit of a slagging, please? Oh, dear, dear, dear. Do you know what? The, Ding- the Dingwall one doesn't even bother me as much. It's more... Do you remember the relegation season for the Premiership when we got beat 2-1 after Dundee and he scored twice? Yes. That's the one that fucking hurts. I, th- I can't even mind why I couldn't make that game. And um, I just remember, like, was, oh, we're winning 1-0. One, one. That's good, that's good. That's all right, all right, fine. And then like, they score like, the two late goals and it's just like, yeah, we're fucked. Because I think it came... We played... Because... We had that game and the game against Hamilton the week after where we we also lost in a similar manner. I was like, yeah, that's us. We're fucked. Because like, at that point you were thinking like, oh, we could probably still if we get like, initially thinking like if we get four points or something for the two games, beat Dundee at home, get a point away at Hamilton, they'll think, no, nah, maybe, maybe, we'll, maybe we will stay up. We lost both. I was like, yeah, that's us. We're fucked. I knew we were going down. I just didn't think it would be like the Levy playoff. I genuinely thought we were going straight down. I was like, yeah, we're fucked, it's done. It's it's fucked, it's burned, it's gone. This is the last time we'll have a chat with you, Mark, about the, the Hamilton 2-1 game on this podcast. David, what is your least favourite Simon Murray memory? Oh, I mean, so many to choose from. I mean, I think I think for me, like obviously with Dingwall, right, the, the funny thing about Simon Murray being involved is that he terrorised us like Owen Coyle terrorises the Northwest at Queen's Park. Again, rolling back to Tommy Robson. Simon Murray was a big part of that QP team at that time. And I remember Ross County signed Queen's Park in January. And we were like, thank Christ for that. We don't need to worry about Simon Murray anymore. He's away to Ross County. It'll be plain sailing from here. There is no chance that he will come back and haunt us. And then I believe... Um, when when it was I forgot he played for Ross County because I I don't really watch the Scottish Premiership. Uh, I watch sports scene every so often, but if this aren't in it, I'm not watching it week to week. And I forgot he played for Ross County. I actually think I forgot basically until about partly through the first leg, and then the second leg when I was like, oh, he, he went when he he came on didn't he in the second leg? At that point, I was like, oh Jesus oh, Christ! He sure did come on in the second leg. <laughs> Sure did. I I also fully not watched anything of that game since the referee blew for full time after they after they scored that penalty. I have not seen any of that game since. I don't want to see any of it ever again. Can he even watch Brave? Because there's a character called Bringwall in it. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to do a ginger joke. In my head, I'm like not. Funnily enough, speaking of gingers as well, right? As a card carrying season ticket holder of the Redhead Fraternity, I, I like to look out for my, my own kin. I like, I like, you know, ginger footballers. I always have a wee bit of a, a shine for them because you know what? They, they, they've went through all the grief at school and stuff like that as well. So I'm always, I'm always a big fan of a ginger footballer getting out there and representing the community. But like, is. <sighs> He's the main one now, and it's like, but he, I hate him. Like, I, I fucking hate him. Like, stop being <laughs> such such a fucking quizzling 
for the, the ginger community by just co- continuously fucking us over. He's definitely tuning into this, isn't he? He's definitely listening oh, to this. As soon as he saw oh, players that wanted Partick Thistle, oh, I'll be there. Uh, Mark, I must ask you, as a, as a neutral in this battle, would you rather be Specky or would you rather be Ginger? Specky. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, or, uh, like, can we just put it by the way, like, this is going to sound heavy, I'm not racist, but, but like, we could, we'd be solidarity with Ronnie McKay, who's both. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right, last, last word on Simon Murray. I think for a spell I did have a sort of begrudging respect for him because I think he was like, a good player on bad Dundee United teams. And then I, I thought he was actually pretty effective at Hibs without like looking outstanding. And he he obviously scored against us for Hibs in the their first game back in the Premiership, which was the first game of our, our relegation season. So I, I quite liked him as a player, and I'd have probably taken him. I think when he got loaned out to Dundee at that point. But then he's obviously start at that from then on. He started scoring important goals against us for Dundee, for Queens Park, for Ross County. Uh, at that point, I've got no time for him, and hope. I never see him inside a Scottish football ground again, to be honest. And we will leave it there for the for this year's Halloween spectacular. And um, we will be back later on in the week with our, our usual weekly podcast. And the three of us will return in 2024 for our fifth annual Halloween spectacular. So if you've made it this far into the podcast, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you to David and Mark. And in the meantime, stay safe. I just wanted to ask first, while we're still in a bit of a, a sad mood, um, what was it like uh, playing and scoring against Thistle for air? Talk us through that day, because it was quite quick <laughs> in the season it came round. Yeah. I, I just, do you know what, I said to you my call when he, when he took me to you've brought me here to score against Partick Thistle, I know for a fact <laughs> that's why you brought me here, because he knew that was what was going to happen, it was basically written in the stars, if I was going to score anywhere it was going to be Fair Hill. Um, so, you know, I think it, it was one of those games where Thistle didn't play well. Um, I think the, the two players possibly get sent yeah. off. The Bannigan. Yeah, Gordon as well, yeah. Oh, Shea Gordon. Uh, yep, straight. So they went off, which didn't help things and stuff, you know. So, But it was always going to happen where I was going to score at, at Firhill and we knew that. Um, but, you know, I, I, the strangest part of this, I, that, that game actually was that when I scored, the, the home fans cheered. <laughs> and in actual fact, the their United players said all after the game, like that was the weirdest thing in the world to have the home fans cheer as if as if it was a, a goal for the home team. And um, and I noticed it. We could feel it. It was just, it was a strange. It was an amazing feeling because obviously that connection is always still there. Um, but it, it was it was bizarre that the the, the Thistle fans were cheering an away player, I suppose, scoring against them. But you know, it was one of those goals where. I, I, you knew it was going to go. I knew it was going to go in. I knew it was. It hits the post and bounces back to me, perfectly to, to put it in the back of the net. So it was. It was just going to happen. Um, but to me, it, it was bizarre. 
um, in terms of scoring against it. I didn't celebrate for for obvious reasons. It's you're there to do a job and be professional. But you know, it, again, it was the connection with Thistle and the the respect for them. But to to then have the the, the home crowd, like I said, cheering a goal was it still makes me laugh. That even that because I can still hear them. Um, and all of it, the only thing I didn't get was the big shout out after that, where they usually <laughs> announce your name and you get the big cheer again. So I think uh, that was the bizarre moment. But it, it was a bit strange, you know, coming back to Thistle as an away player. But like I said, it was written in the stars, and Ema Kong knew that, and we, we had laughed and joked about it. That if there was going, you're going to score anywhere, it's going to be fair. How I've been doing it for years. I think you know Thistle losing two players, Shea Gordon and then Banzo, obviously didn't help that. Um, it, it wasn't going well at that time, and and that probably just amplified it again. So it was one of those things where it was all, like I said, it was always going to happen. But it was a very very bizarre day.